That's all. Just a good morning. If you are joining us online or maybe a little bit later today or you're out in the foyer, good morning. Welcome today. We are starting a new series and it's a really big, long title. Um, it, it goes like this, P-E-T-E-R, and it's titled Peter. And uh, Peter was a right-hand man of Jesus. He was one of the inner three. In fact, um, Jesus said about Peter, upon you, your name means Peter, the play on words, Petra, rock, I'm going to build the church upon you. And so what we thought we would do over this next month uh, in light of all the different activities, one of our great strong arms here at New Community is our Engage Sunday. And so if you missed out on this one, get into the next one because they're a great way of actually sharing God's love and hope into the world in a really pragmatic way. But Jesus said about Peter, upon you we're going to build the church. And so Peter, one of the right-hand mans of Jesus, he puts pen to papyri, and, and he records two particular letters. Now, this is how the Bible arrangement works for those who are fresh and new to it, is that, that if you get to write two letters or more that get circulated around the ancient world, um, the way in which the Bible records that is if you've written the first one, they put a one in front of it. So there's a, a one Peter, and then if you wrote a second one, I know it's not rocket science, but they put a two in front of it, and it's two Peter. So over the next... Month, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter, this teensy wincy little book in the back end of the Bible, a letter that he writes to all the Jesus followers throughout this ancient landscape. And if you are here this morning and your name, your namesake is after Peter, could you just put your hand up right now? Are there any Peters in the room? Any Peters? There's, there's one here. Could I just, sir, could I just get you to stand for one moment? Because just, just. I just want you to know if there's any question that you have over the next month that's too hard for any of us to answer, Peter here is going to tell you the answer, okay? So if you want to chat with him afterwards, thank you, Peter, very much. I will not embarrass you anymore, but I just thought because of the namesake, I couldn't help. No, we don't take any questions from the floor because <laughs> I know where this is going too. You can get me afterwards as well. Very good. All right, what I'd like you to do is in your mind's eye... I want you to take a journey with me. If you actually want to actually follow us this morning, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. If you've got a smartphone, you want to look up, we can plow in this together. I'm looking forward to starting this new series titled Peter Today. So the first thing I'd like us to do is in your mind's eye, I wonder if you could take a journey with me back 2,000 years into an ancient landscape. And you are a Roman citizen and you have been born in what is actually known as modern day Turkey but in that part of Asia Minor. And the Roman city in which you've been living in, and that's part of your blood, you find yourself walking down the center strip of the city. And there on either side, you're taking in all of the various commerce and trade and tools that are being exchanged. In fact, you are a tanner of leather and skins, and you work in a co-op that actually deals with the leather trade. And as you're walking down this ancient landscape of the city that you know well, a Roman city, you notice as you look to the left and to the right, there's all these images of various gods of the Greco-Roman world that you worship. And there's the god of Zeus, the father of all gods. And then there's the twins. There's Apollo and Athena. You see their images. Apollo, the one who gives oracles and heals people. Athena, the one who is the, the goddess of the hunt, and bows and arrows. 
And as you walk down a little bit further, you notice that there's that ancient Mithra cult that's come from the east. And just a little bit further on, there's another image. In fact, it's an impression, an embossed of Caesar himself. Because you've been noticing over the past few decades that Caesar himself is starting to get deified. In fact, the people in your own hometown and city, they call him Lord and Son of God and King and Ruler, even God himself. And that's really curious to you because just a few months ago, you met some people who were trading and tanning of skins and leather from the east. And they came to your city and your hometown and as you were trading and exchanging goods... They told you a story about a man from the east. His name was Jesus, a Jewish man from Nazareth. And that God did extraordinary deeds in and through him. It was as though God was working through him in a powerful way. But then you heard about his life and the claims that he made, that he may have been the Jewish Messiah. In fact, maybe the world's true Lord and rightful King. And when you asked for proof and evidence of this, they told you about this, this incredible incident of him being crucified on a cross. And you know exactly what that means in a Roman world because that was the instrument of torture that actually kept the peace by brute force. But then you heard something spectacular that on the third day, there's witnesses saying that he rose to new life. And as you heard that exchange, something happened inside of you that captivated your heart and your mind. And it's as though something came alive in you. And as they saw your response, the traders of these tanning products and these leather items, they, they laid hands on you and they prayed for you. And you encountered an experience that was almost like, well, they said it was the Spirit of God at work inside of you and you felt it soften your heart and mind both towards God and people around. In fact, there was this ecstatic moment where you actually began to give praise to this unknown God that you're just getting to know. It's as though it came out of you and they said that was like a spirit language. And you, you, you were trying to make heads and tails of this, but over the past month or two, you've actually been now starting to call yourself one of the followers of this man, Jesus Christus Christ, which is curious because only just a week ago as you were doing your trade in tanning of leather and goods with the other friends you'd grown up in your hometown, you heard a little whisper that in the city next door, there'd been a plague that had come through, an earthquake that had shook the foundations and you heard them as they were talking about the reason why, as they said, maybe some of the gods are displeased because there's a new religion and a new idea in town that's starting to draw people away from going to the temples and worshipping all the gods and goddesses you've grown up with. And so they're wondering if the gods are angry because they're no longer being frequented as often. And even once more, just yesterday, a friend of yours, a close friend, they turned to you and they said, you know what, in the civic event last week, you know where we were honoring Caesar as being Lord and God at the beginning of, of our kind of conversations? I noticed that you weren't there. Where were you? And you were hoping that no one would catch you out because since you've come to know this Jesus person, 
you're finding it less palatable to go and want to offer sacrifice to Caesar as being son of God and Lord because you believe deep down in your heart that you have a new Lord and son of God, but his name's Jesus. And that that can, to a Roman person, sound treasonous. And so you're wondering now, how do I inhabit my Greco-Roman world where I feel like something shifted inside of me and I'm not the same person that I used to be? How do I do it? Because this is going to get really, really tricky. But the good news is, and that's why you're walking on this long, repeated road this morning, (laughs) is that you've heard that there's a letter that's being circulated from one of Jesus' right-hand men. It's come all the way from the east and it's circling around Asia Minor. And you get to hear it tonight and you're hoping it will speak into your circumstances because that's what you need more than anything else. Are you with me? So let's dive on in. This is what you hear being read in that place. To God's chosen exiles, foreigners, scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying, that is the setting aside work of God's Spirit, to be obedient to this person, Jesus, who is called Messiah Christ, sprinkled, washed clean with his blood. We'll get into that next week. He goes on and he says this, Grace and peace be yours in abundance. The first thing that Peter wants the people who are scattered throughout the the known world of that time is to know God's grace and peace in their lives. God's grace is his supernatural ability to accomplish in our lives what we cannot accomplish for ourselves. It's that thing that describes God's kind and loving kindness and goodness, even if it's not necessarily deserved. And it's towards you. And then he says, what I want you to experience is this deep-seated peace in your life. Not the kind of peace that you get when maybe something small is resolved in your life, but sometimes that peace that even when things are feeling a little bit out of control and you're concerned about things, and you're worried about situations around you, that you have this sense deep down within you that there's God who is bigger than anything else in this world, and he has you in his hands. And no matter what circumstances you might be going through in your life, he kind of holds you, and you know that deep down. There's been times in my life where I have felt the clutter of the world around about, But I still have this deep inner sense that God's got me come what may. I win with him. (laughs) Sometimes even the times when I've had my mind health issues in the past that I've found that even beyond sometimes, not always, it's very nuanced here, that there's this deep inner sense of God is with me even in the midst of the waves being choppy. And Peter writes to them because he understands their predicament and he says, I want you to encounter God's ability to accomplish things in your life that you cannot do for yourself, his mercy and his kindness and his peace. So that when you put your head down on the pillow of a nighttime, you know that there's someone bigger who has you and he is for you and he is good. And I love it because he says, I don't want you to just sip it through a straw 
and have a little portion of it. I want you to encounter it in abundance. So why don't we do that now? I'm just going to pause and pray. If you need that in abundance this morning, well, I'm going to pray for you. That you might experience God's grace and his peace in your life that transcends sometimes our human ingenuity and understanding. When we were singing that song before, Oh, won't you tear open the heavens? That's actually a little line, a riff from Isaiah the prophet who is so torn up with what's going on in his world. He says, Oh God, that you would just tear the heavens apart and come down. Sometimes that's what we need to encounter in our lives. The tearing open of the heavens so that we might encounter God fresh. And so if you need that portion this morning, not just to consume but to receive, I'm going to pray right now. You might want to just open your hands and say, God, that's for me. You ready? So God, here in this place right now, we ask that that you might give us a sense of your grace, your goodness, your ability to accomplish in our lives that we cannot accomplish for ourselves. And and that you, Father, might grant me a peace that even besides the turbulence, I will feel anchored to you. And God, right now I bring before you that very thing that's causing that disruption. And I ask, we ask, I pray in Jesus' name that you might do abundantly more and resolve those situations. I bring them to you now in Jesus, your name. Amen. And Peter presses on and he says these words. He says, To God's chosen exiles, foreigners scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. And you're thinking, that's me who hears this. But you're struck by Peter's words because he calls you this strange word. He calls you an exile. He calls you a stranger or a foreigner in some of your translations. What's an exile? An exile is is someone who is living away from their home and they wish they were back. (laughs) If it was in sporting terms and and any basketball is in the room here, thank you, you will not have to stand. (laughs) It's like you've just committed the fifth foul and if you commit the fifth foul, unless they've made it six now, (laughs) you get bench time. You don't get to play in the game for the rest of the game until the next time you play, and then you get another five chances to foul. But if you've ever been benched in basketball, you're sitting on the edge going, this is not where I belong. (laughs) I belong on the court. I want to be playing on the court, and you get to watch it, and it tears you up inside because I want to be playing on the court, and I know I've been sent to the naughty corner for a moment. I am in exile. And and Peter wants them to know that even though they've been scattered throughout the entire known world, he wants you to know that when you came to know Jesus and put your trust in him, you became somewhat of a sojourner, a foreigner, an exile. Which means this, that there'll be times in your life in which you have your feet firmly planted here on planet Earth, but you will feel disrupted. You will feel like you are out of place. And that's because when you accepted Jesus into your life or you're thinking about doing that is that you get to be part of a new family and you have a new home and where you truly belong is with God. 
And whether if you die in the present time right now and you go to be with him or he returns and you're still alive and you are part of the new heavens and the new earth that he will bring about, where your true destiny and home is, is with God. And so he wants you to know that if you ever feel like that clunkiness where you turn on the television, I'm told this morning that there's disruption in Israel. Or maybe there's a war that's broken out in Ukraine. Or perhaps there's a housing crisis in Melbourne. Or there's a climate that seems to be warming. Or there's political fractures in all the place. And part of you actually says, oh God, would you come and fix this? It shouldn't be this way. Then you would be agreeing with Peter and realizing that you're right. I should feel some of that disjointedness is because this ultimately is not my home being away from God. It's to be with him. Make sense? Many years ago, my wife and I were journeying back from a long, long trip in which we were coming back from the United States, sorry, England to the United States, flying into Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas on an American Airlines flight. And as we were flying into that, that airspace... I started to realize that our next ticket was an internal flight between Dallas, Fort Worth and LA. And then we we're catching an international flight home because Melbourne was our home. That's where our family and friends were. And we we're returning after a long, prolonged time away over in the United States to return home to where we belonged. And as we we're flying into that airspace, I thought, wait a second, I don't think we have a visa. <laughs> what are we doing on this aeroplane? <laughs> Who let us on? <laughs> so we remember lining up in customs, American customs. If you've ever been through American customs, they are strict. They look at you strictly. They are very strict. Did I say they are strict? And as we're lining up in the queue and getting closer and closer and everyone's getting their passports and their things looked at and they're being waved through, we got there. He looked at us. He opened up our passports and then he actually took our passports, picked up a stamp and stamped this on it. T-W-O-V. I said, what's a twove? And he said, it's transit without a visa. You are in big, 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 did I say big trouble? <laughs> he said, you are going to be confined in a small space and it will be bad. And I said, well, that's not fair because we shouldn't have been let on the American Airlines flight in the first place. And we booked this through a travel agent in the USA. Why didn't they tell us that? And he went, oh, well, in that case, you're going to be in a small room and, 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 and there's only one vending machine. I said, we'll take that, please. <laughs> and so they eventually flew us to LA where there was this huge bung fight between American Airlines, Qantas, who was flying us home, and Customs as to determine who would pay the fine for us and then let us get home. And in the meantime, they assigned to us two small Hispanic ladies to protect and guard us from fleeing into the United States of America. So Bron and I, we tied them up. And we thought we'd just play a joke on them. No. But in that space, being a twove, a transit without a visa, it can get awfully lonely when you're wondering who owns us, who wants us, and who's going to pay the price for us? And eventually, after some time, <laughs> I don't even know how it happened, but we got on a Qantas flight and returned home. Transit without a visa. 
And I wonder if Peter's writing to them and he's going to say, in this life, you're going to feel as though you have been stamped 12. But I want you to know that when you came to know Jesus, he poured his spirit into you. He gave and marked you out as one of his own. And, and, and you have a visa. Your citizenship is with God. And you need to remember that. Because there are times in which you might forget. And so he presses in and he says these words, things that you need to remember. He says, in his great mercy, he has given us, he's talking to the Jesus followers, a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He said, you need to remember and understand this while you're scattered living in the space where you are stamped with TWOV on you. You're going to have to remember that you have been born again. It's not as though, no, you didn't go and get born again physically. It's as there was this spiritual rebirth that happened inside of you. It's as though you became a brand new baby again before God. But it means that you actually were welcomed into his family. And as you were welcomed into his family, you got new brothers and sisters and a new heavenly father. And that is your true identity, the true destination and the true person of who you are. And the good news about that, says Peter, is that it's a living hope. It's not just, oh, I wish something would happen. It's that embodied right now in your experience is the truth reality that you are more than molecules. And you didn't just arrive here on planet Earth by chance. There is a God who cares and knows you and has done a great thing through his son for you. And I need you to know that you have been born into his family and that will change everything if it sinks deep. Do I sound like I'm getting excited sometimes? It is. I was talking to a high school teacher just yesterday at the breakfast that we had. Great morning. He's been teaching for many years. He's retiring I said, what are the changes you've noticed in the students? He said, in the last eight to 10 years, anxiety sky high. What else have you noticed? He said, he said they, they get on their phones now and they're being told every day who they are and who they're not. And that's just conforming them and messing with them. And I think it's contributing to the whole. He said, do you know the United Nations now, they have mobile phones as a right? I said, what are you talking about? He said, there's a right now, apparently, that you have a right to make a phone call to connect with another person, which means mobile phones now, if you like, are a human right, <laughs> which means that if you're on a smartphone, it can just mess with you even more. And he said, I see it working itself out through the... The young people, and it's as though he said, I look on their faces and I see many without any hope. I said, well, we have that in bucket loads. Because Jesus is the one who says, in me you have a new identity and you have hope because you are not alone in this world. And if you gaze into my eyes, I will gaze back into you and tell you who you really are. You are mine and you have been claimed. You have been born into my family. And boy, I'll fight for my own. And then he presses on and he says this. He says, It's an into an inheritance that can never perish, perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven. Not in the clouds up far away, but in another dimension just close by, but it's out of eyesight right now. The God's dimension in his heavens is really close. You just can't see it. It's in another dimension. But one day it will be revealed. And what you'll inherit is God. And you'll inherit a new body that allows you to be close to God. What kind of body will it look like? 
It'll look like a resurrected body of Jesus who can drift through walls and appear and eat fish at the same time and be touched. It's a body gym, but not as we know it. It's a body that has continuity with heaven and earth and will be a glorious body free from pains and sufferings and tears and all those things. And you will inherit that. And the third thing he presses into, he says, through faith, you are protected by God's power until the coming of that good news remedy, that rescue that God is doing for this world in, in, in which one day in, in time, in history to come, he will break forth into this and dispel all evil and all of the powers that are seen and unseen. And he will bring justice and mercy and rightness and he will put disorder into order. And it's at that time, the people who have been longing for that and looking forward to that will take a huge sigh of relief and go, finally, I've been waiting for this all of my life. Is that what peace feels like? Is that what mercy Seems like, oh, that day, oh, that day. And he says, and nothing, no power in heaven and on earth can rob you of that. Wow. I guess he wants them to remember who they are. Because he knows as they're scattered throughout Pontius and Bithynia and Cappadocia. They can forget. Coming up, mate. Some years ago now, it would have been 25 years, I met an Iranian man who'd come to Australia. We sat down, we did a Bible study together. He committed his life to following Jesus. Word got out back home. And he said, Troy, it's not that the government might get me. It's not even like the civil law might get me. It's the local community might get me. So he applied for asylum. And I went down to Flinders Street in a private little courthouse. Some of you will know about this. Many of you won't. And the judge looked at me in a private hearing and asked this question. So, Mr. Pastor Troy, is he the real deal? Is he the real deal? I said yes. 20 years on, still sharing his faith with people. Could have been wrong. But you felt the mark of God on his life. I remember coming back from India, third world countries, developing countries. You fly into Australia and everything on the air flight, as soon as you get into Australian airspace says, relax, mate. Take it easy. No worries. Just chill out. Life is good here. I mean, there's an exporting event and then the next sporting event. And did I tell you there's an exporting event? I mean, you can live your whole life for the next sporting event. And there's long weekends. Let me tell you about the long weekends in Australia. Let me tell you about the holiday houses. Let me tell you about the beaches. Oh, mate, don't take yourself too seriously. Just chill out. 
Yes, we have turbulence in Australia. But I wonder as I compare and contrast between the ancient world and this Australia, modern Australia, yeah, there are many, many, many problems. But our problem is the problem of ease. See, the problem of ease is that you can forget because it's easy to forget. And I wonder if Peter might say to you today, no matter where you are, whether you go to a school, whether you're involved in the community, in your workspace, you might be tanning leathers, I want you to remember, 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 remember that you, if you call yourself Jesus follower and you follow him, remember you have a new birth. You have an inheritance. And you are protected even amidst sometimes the storms in your life. And He is holding you in His hands. That's where we're starting in the series. Today, do you need to remember? Do you need to remember? I'm going to pray for you right now. And if that's you and God is speaking to you through this letter, through these ancient words to say, I think I've forgotten, then I would bid you open up your heart and mind and say, God, would you help me? I want to remember, I want to be that person who you say I am in the landscape in which you've implanted me. So Father God, here in this place, I ask that in a holy moment of meeting with you, God, that you might help me remember who you say that I am. I am reborn, made new, washed clean, welcomed home. I have an inheritance that's going to be you and you are protecting me. And I want to thank you because I've forgotten and I've got displaced and I've got distracted. But right here in this place, you are calling me and reminding me. And so now I ask for you. Remind me. God, would you take me on a journey in this next month that would speak to me about how do I inhabit this world in which you've planted me into? Whilst I'm a sojourner, a foreigner, I'm in exile. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You'll notice around the room that we have some tables and plates and some biscuits and some juice. On the night Jesus was betrayed, it said he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, he took a cup and he said, this is the, the new agreement, the new covenant between God and humans that I'm going to achieve through my death. It's going to be poured out for you. Drink this and remember me as often as you meet. For in doing so, 
you will remember what I've done for you until I come again and I make all things new. What a fitting beginning to our series is that we might take time to remember. And if you are here with us this morning and this is new for you and you're hearing in the words of Jesus, I'd like to draw close to him. I'm like that tanner person and you would say, I want to I want to give myself to following. Then why don't you take one of these cards and participate for the first time. You can read it through, maybe with a friend you brought with and you can share it together and that would be awesome and that would be great and that would be amazing. But maybe you're here and you know Jesus and for you, you might go as by yourself or with someone else and you might take the bread, take the cup, go back to your seat and then you might pause and you might say, thank you, I remember. And you eat and you drink and then we'll sing together. And I wonder if we might do this quietly so that we can remember well. How about we share in this time together? You're welcome. Thank you.